Hello and welcome to the Shiny New Object podcast. My name is Tom Ollerton and this is a podcast about the future of marketing. Every week or so, I have the pleasure and the privilege to interview this industry's leaders about their vision for the future of marketing. And this week is no different. I'm on the phone to Australia with Ben Flintoff, who is General Manager Baskin-Robbins in Australia. Ben, for those of you sorry for those of the audience who don't know who you are and what you do can you please give us an overview of your role and what you do thanks tom and appreciate the opportunity to join you um my role current role is as general manager of baskin robbins australia my uh lineage was uh, history in banking first then i owned my own um uh, franchise so uh, i have had a, been a small business owner as well before stepping onto the franchisor side, uh, starting in operations before earning the right after five years um, to be the general manager for this brand in Australia. And uh, I've been in this role now for uh, three years. So what we're gonna do, Ben, is we're gonna jump into some getting to know you questions so the audience can understand you as a guy. Um, so this is quite a divisive question on the podcast, but. Some people don't read marketing books. Some people read all the marketing books. So I'm curious to know which marketing books you give most often as, as presents or gifts to friends or colleagues. Well, I think it's a little cliche to mention Seth Godin. And I'm sure many of your um, previous participants have, have used his name. Uh, but he writes wonderfully well. And he also writes great little snippets that you can use in a short form if you're not reading books. But... My favorite marketing book um, is an edition called What Rich People Know and, <laughs> desperately, want to, and desperately Want to Keep a Secret. Um, and it's written by a gentleman by the name of Brian Scher. And um, basically there's two dictums that he gives uh, when you own a, own a business and you need to be in control of your, your human resources you're hiring and you need to be in control of your marketing. And he goes on to explain why you need to be in control of the marketing. And it's a, a wonderful um, synopsis of how to move forward in business. And can you help someone understand more of the insights from that book if they don't get the chance to read it? I think um, mainly, um, you're, to use a cliche again, you're always selling, uh, but really you're always promoting. And uh, because you don't know who the person in front of you is going to turn out to be and who the audience you're trying to reach, um, what they're made up of. And so you need to own that process and continuously be um, talking to your, your, your greatest values and your greatest strengths and what you're bringing so that uh, when the opportunity arises, then, as they say, the the luck favors the persistent and the persistent marketer will also be the most successful one uh, in due course. I like that a lot. Luck favors the persistent marketer. So, so that's a really interesting book recommendation and one we've not had before. So thank you for that. So what was the most useful thing that you spent your own money on that you use for work? It's also a book, Tom. Um, ah, I use a, uh, a, an item called a focus journal, 
And um, it's basically a, it's a subscription. You, you get one sent to you every quarter and it's a planner for your next 90 days. And it has this amazing um, ability to keep someone like me very organized, very on point um, to, the, to the point where um, you, you don't actually become overwhelmed and, uh, or unfocused because what's in front of you are those three most important things. And it's, it's not just about your business, it's about your life. Uh, how you're impacting your home and your your relationships and how how you're impacting yourself. So ostensibly it's a, a business tool, but um, it's a subscription I pay for by myself and it's not it's not expensive, but it's a, a quarterly diary system that absolutely keeps me engaged with with what I'm doing, whether it be work uh, or home or, or self. So uh, I'm not sure I fully understand. So they send you a physical book. Correct. Yeah, it's, like, it's, what ninety pages in it, and you, uh, so that, right. yeah, just go into details. Tell me how it works. It sounds interesting. So it's it's literally uh, it's literally that. It's a ninety day plan, and um, you know you can start at any time. It's not dated, so you could start tomorrow. Um, and it starts by breaking down what does your month look like? Are you trying to increase sales, meet with potential clients, be a, be a great dad, manage stress? Do you want to run a ten k run? Um, that's your monthly plan. Then in the week, how are you actually going to meet? You know, what are the what are the um, pieces in the puzzle that help you meet each of those? And you can, if you like ticking boxes, which I do, uh, you can tick boxes as you as you proceed towards your goal. And then from that week, what does your Monday look like? What does your Tuesday look like? And how again are you uh, moving towards in each of those items towards those goals? So it's, it's that funnel approach, if you like. You start with the big, hairy, audacious goal uh, for the month, and then cut it down into weekly and then daily items. Uh, it's a, a wonderful resource, and as I said, it just it keeps me very, very focused. So I love that in principle, but. How do you deal with real life getting in the way? Well, um, it, it's a, it's a, honestly, it's a 10-minute um, commitment every day. And then the diary sits in front of me. So I, I plan my day. I plan what's important. I usually plan it the night before. Uh, I absolutely agree. Life gets in the way. And I'll openly admit that if you pulled my diary right now, you could flip to a page where I've just crossed through it and said that, that day didn't happen. Yeah, um, right. But but in reality, if, if you were to pull 80 well-planned days out of 90, or for some people, if you pull 20 well-planned planned days out of 90, you may be 20 days in front of, of where you would have been 90 days ago. So it's worth the effort. Um, it took me, you know, two diaries when I was going, oh, fuck this, it's not working. But uh, I persisted and, yeah. uh, and eventually I got to it. Yeah, I, th I think it's a theme that, the guests on this podcast come back to is it like you're never going to get that perfect workout or that perfect diary or that perfect plan but the the practice of aiming drags you closer towards the target than not aiming you're right yep yep you you miss a hundred percent of targets that you don't set yes yes indeed um so so outside of the focus journal uh, what has been the best investment of your time or your energy in your career in the last few years? This, this is the ramp for me. This is where I get excited. It, it, it's huge time investment, but it's seeking mentors. People who've done before what I'm trying to do now 
seeking them out, spending the time, trying to find something that you can give back to them to, so you're not a complete time waster. Um, I would hate to be thought of in that vein, but the, the only way I've been able to move forward is to, is to not, not fall into the trap of repeating history's mistakes and uh, seeking a mentor um, and, um, and, and many of them because mentors come and go. Um, friends shouldn't come and go. It does happen, but mentors do come and go. And the people who've moved through my life, I love to say that I'm still in contact with them and helping them or their network in, an, in a way now that I've grown into the person I am now. So how do you go about finding your mentors? Do you go, right, I have this problem or, and I want to find a solution to it? Or do you go, oh, that person's really great at what they do and they're more senior than me. So I'm just going to reach out to them and see what's what. How, what help me understand the process so that someone else could replicate it. I think both of your examples are exactly on point. I think if someone is truly just very good at what they do, they'll add value to you. And um, my father used to say, you, you pick a feather from every passing goose. And basically, <laughs> and basically what it means is everyone's got something to add, right? Um, and, and, and if they're already an impressive person, they're certainly gonna have something to, to add. So you should seek those people out anyway. But then if there's something on point that you know you have to find someone who's executed it well and you can learn from them, then that's a very much more specific and you're probably going to be digging a lot more, probably taking recommendations from your network. Um, but the, honestly, the time is worth it because now I can pick up the phone, uh, a huge refidex of people who I can talk to about any number of solutions. Did I really just say refidex? How old am I? Um, yeah, that was completely <laughs> lost on me there. But, uh, <laughs> leaving that where it is so how so tell me sharp but how many mentors do you have currently and how many do you think is the right amount or is that yeah. how long's a piece of string yeah it is it's a good question i i have two um and um one professional one personal is pretty much the way to to pigeonhole them and i would hate to be pigeonholed but um, th those, those mentors have changed. And sometimes mentors refer you to a new mentor. They say, Ben, and yeah, I'm, right. now learning, I'm now learning from you. Um, move on. Or and sometimes you just want to hang around and still be friends and play golf. And that's how life evolves. Yeah. But when you're in a true mentor-mentee relationship, uh, there, is, there is an end point. And I've been involved now in mentoring for several years um, through my university alumni and it's it's a very defined process you get to a point where you end up learning more from them than you do um, than they do from you <laughs> right and so so I yeah I, I don't have enough mentors but I have something I found very valuable in the past so I'm, I'm really keen to understand more selfishly but what is the best way for someone to approach you to be their mentor Honestly, I think to ask, um, I, I think there are, you know, there's a, a lot of pretty girls that never got asked on a date and there's a lot of very smart guys <laughs> that got, never got asked to be a mentor. Oh, and my apologies, there's a lot of smart girls that never got asked to be a mentor as well. This is certainly not a stereotype. But I, I think, um, you know, I had, I had a, the, the pleasure recently to meet uh, a gentleman who was uh, a host on um, Shark Tank. In Australia 
and a completely approachable person. The persona he gives on television would, would not give you that impression at all and could not have been more generous with, with his time um, to the point of taking time away from what he was doing. Because if you show enough curiosity, and um, I don't mean finding a mentor who is giving you know, banal f- feedback like don't work hard, work smart, that's, that's not a mentor. But you can read that in a book. Someone who can talk about what they've done and how it applies to the situation and, the, and perhaps the problem you're trying to solve. The, the ability to learn from that is, is, is bigger than any classroom. Um, to answer that question, uh, don't work hard, work smart. I think you have to work hard smartly because uh, hard work still works. Uh, but that, honestly, find someone who you admire and, and, and ask them. In fact, find 10 people you admire and one will absolutely say yes. I'll be surprised if it's not actually eight. Yeah. Yeah, everyone likes being asked uh, because they're clever and successful, right? It's a very difficult thing yeah. to say no to. Yeah. Um, so looking at the other end of the scale, what advice do you give to people who are trying to get into the industry? So not the, mm. your mentors, but the, the, the younger generation that, that are coming in. How do, you, how do you help the already focused, driven, smart people get ahead? I think, again... Focusing on that, um, the, the mentor, be, be willing to mirror the work of someone who's already succeeding, not because you want to be a me too, but because it's proven to have worked. And if then you can create a launch pad for yourself to get noticed by thinking outside the box, um, all of my errors were so young you know, thinking that I knew everything out of uni and first time in a role. And I absolutely lost the ability to be humble, even though I grew up in a small country town and it was sort of beaten into me by my parents, um, somewhere along the lines between uh, leaving the small town and and leaving university, I'd lost it. And I think if you actually go with uh, an element of curiosity to a potential employer or even a potential work experience location, um, the, the ability to just be that sponge uh, and grow into the person you know you're going to be, but you actually have to prove it to other people. And I think that's the, that's the learning I, I took from my um, you know, foray into, into the work life. So we're now going to find out about your shiny new object, Ben. We, we chatted about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it was definitely one of the most unusual I'd ever heard. And your shiny new object, your vision for the future of marketing, the thing that you're most excited about is becoming your own competitor. So can you explain to the audience what that is? And then we can go into some detail. Yeah, and, and the only way for me to explain what it is is to take a step back and explain what happened. Um, I'm the general manager for an ice cream company. And what, 18 months ago, or more than eight, two years ago, I had uh, franchise partners approach me and say, we need to be on this delivery platform. We need to be delivering ice cream into people's homes. <clears throat> I didn't know it was a thing, but I was prepared to do the work. It turns out it is a thing. So 18 months ago, we launched home delivery of ice cream into into stores that were within the aggregator networks. So an aggregator um, 
the, the names of Uber Eats and Deliveroo and Menulog may well be familiar to the, to the listeners. We were using these um, delivery platforms to get our products to, to guests who weren't able or willing or wanting to travel to the, the stores. Uh, it drove amazing uptake. We're talking, um, you know, sales versus last year of 16, 17, 18%, a phenomenal achievement. We've since been acknowledged by Duncan Brands, the owners of the brand, as a, as a delivery excellence market. And um, you know, when I was recently with our owners, we were presented with the international recognition of the performance of executing that element. But that's the background. And in April this year, we thought, well, we've been doing this for 12 months because we'd started in April 2018. What's, what's the next step? What do we do now? And um, what, we, what we found was the uptake into home delivery and that extension of our store network was so, was so vivid, we wondered if we could just repeat it and, com- and compete against ourselves. So we developed a virtual restaurant, which dropped in July. And when I tell you that we were doing uh, 16, 17, 18% sales comp, what we discovered was the virtual restaurant actually lifted by a further 50%. Sorry, Ben, the, can you explain what a virtual restaurant is? So we, we ha- you could get Baskin-Robbins online, you could go onto Uber Eats and get a Baskin-Robbins uh, product delivered into your home. But a virtual restaurant, we, we developed a brand, we developed a whole new concept and we competed against ourselves. So when you went online, you suddenly had a choice. You were getting uh, a Baskin Robbins product or uh, a product from this ice cream store called Scoops Ahoy, uh, which was themed with the Netflix show Stranger Things. And so basically, so was Scoops Ahoy uh, selling Baskin, uh, openly selling Baskin's Robbins products, or was it its own own yeah. products but made by the same company? Even more over, you, the, the pickup point was the Baskin Robbins. So I might have had a, a, a Baskin Robbins store in inner city London, and the Scoops Ahoy pickup point was still Baskin Robbins in inner city London. Right, but it's just it's a it's an online store, um, riffing on the uh, on Stranger Things, and you order Correct. it, and, and and the packaging does that come as Scoops Ahoy or is it a Baskin Robbins experience? The idea was you should not have known that it came, apart from the ice cream, you should not have known it came from Baskin Robbins. So we had new packaging, new napkins, new serviettes, new experience, new bag even to deliver it in. So the pickup point was um, from Baskin Robbins, but the idea was that you felt like you'd had this virtual experience where you ordered from uh, the Scoops Ahoy ice cream store and it was delivered to you. Right, and how? Um, I mean, it's it's incredible that you um, you tied into the whole Stranger Things phenomenon. Uh, do you have you seen business continue at the same level, or or has it suffered from being a kind of a, like a novelty thing? Without question, uh, promotions like these do absolutely have a novelty uh, impact. Uh, when it dropped, as I said, we we saw an, an increasing 50% of the home delivery channel. And I should explain also, there was some cannibalization. Uh, So we saw Baskin Robbins home delivery drop by some 10 to 15,000 in a week. 
but Scoops Ahoy was taking over 50,000 in a week. So the, we were clearly taking from our competitors by engaging in the, the audience who were looking for that new news, if you like. Um, the first three weeks were incredible. And as you say, that novelty factor and the association to the, to the um, product and that, that show uh, clearly brought some, some gravity. But uh, it was a 90-day promotion. We had a hard stop, assuming we were going to run through the packaging from our forecast. And uh, we then were able to, to still see well in excess of the uh, original Baskin-Robbins home delivery channel, um, the impact onto our bottom line from the scoops um, of voice. Just from a, a first look, I'm very impressed that your website is also available as an alternative version in the Upside Down. <laughs> That's really nice. You're right. So, yeah. yeah. So, needless, so needless bit of creativity, but... But very yeah. nice nonetheless. Yeah, it was. Uh, so, so anyone who really resonated with Stranger Things, and you know, I've had conversations with people in the street who literally, you know, associated Baskin Robbins to Stranger Things because of that, you know, that virtual um, restaurant, which wasn't the point. They, they, they knew that either they'd ordered so much ice cream, they just knew what they were getting. But we even renamed our flavors. Um, to try and create this platform of uh, so you know what would it look like we're, we're used to doing this level of, of ice cream we want to draw from other competitors but you sort of got to give up something to get a whole lot more and uh, so we were prepared to give up a little bit of cannibalization on our own market share to see just how how big this pie really was and it was it was such an exciting experience I can tell you we're going to do it again and so are you looking for other um, like media partnerships or is it or, or are you sort of wedded to stranger things how, how are you thinking about that mm, it, it's um I, I think a media partnership clearly works and uh we obviously dotted our i's and crossed our t's we weren't using ip without the appropriate contracts in place but um the, the reality is we we feel that the the biggest flexibility in terms of execution is is coming up with a, a whole new concept that we would own, and um, there's a clearly there's a risk involved um, of creating something out of nothing. But you can you can take it down quite quickly if it's if it's not working, and and that's where the excitement for us is because then you suddenly get into new menu concepts and testing which don't even have to be associated with your your main income producing brand and um, then they can be brought into the fold um, in, in that regard. If it works, yeah, I was, I was particularly entertained by the upside down Sunday, which is literally like a, an upside down ice cream with a cone at the top of the jar, yeah. which is... Uh, yeah. <laughs> so what... Oh, no, I don't, I don't want to get into, into too much detail. Um, I just, I'm just... want to want to come like, back up a level. So what what was the... What was the sort of business outcome of competing with yourselves? Obviously, there was cannibalization. Obviously, you saw an uplift in sales, and you've also tried some kind of new variants. What were the what were the un, unexpected outcomes that you've, you're going to take forward? I think the the learning is it's actually you know um, international agreements aside. The, ex the execution of the idea is actually quite simple and, and you literally get that 
proverbial blank piece of paper in front of you. And let me tell you, when you've got a 70-year-old brand that you're being handed a blank piece of paper on, that's pretty exciting for your team. And it, uh, it creates a lot of buy-in and a lot of opportunity. And so we were, you know, we had even competitions, you know, naming the products and designing. Because we, if you're building new packaging, you can't take out your whole range of, of however many menu products we have in Baskin-Robbins. You know, there's literally six or seven products or six or seven packaging requirements and 11 products. And um, the learning for us was that took some time but we could do it again and we could do it faster and we could do it better and um, some, sometimes that rinse and repeat creating new news these um, delivery platforms you know when you're on your mobile you're talking about two inches of real estate or, or you know four inches of real estate depending on what the screen is that yeah. um, that someone has that's a really minute amount of time to capture someone's attention um, so it, it if you've got more opportunities by doubling it, by just having a second presence, um, you're, you're clearly going to get an advantage over your competitors. So if you were going to advise someone who's listening to this podcast to, to follow your lead of competing against yourself, how would you suggest they went about doing that? Reimagine your product. Reimagine how great it actually is first and then decide if it actually needs to be changed and if there are elements of it that need to be tested then can uh, it being presented as a part of a, a new brand actually help or hinder you and that, that's the danger you can't play with your brand um, if it's not actually going to help help you and the biggest thing about our menu is it's quite fixed you know internationally you can go anywhere and and get a banana split but can you get a uh, a vertical sundae made with bananas turned upside down and turned into a different experience um that was what we were willing to play with is, is your product something that you can have some fun with and ice cream's very very simply relatable to that and if so i feel that for the sake of some time on the, the platform, some professional photography, some rethinking of your product range. And I'm not always talking about food here, by the way. I'm trying to stay general. Uh, I feel like the, the effort will always be rewarded. So I get that from the fact that you're a general manager. So you have a lot of sway over changing marketing, changing products and competing against yourselves but how would someone who's in a kind of purely marketing function go about doing that because typically they wouldn't have the kind of autonomy autonomy that you do so what would be the best way for a, a marketing function to to sell that in internally mm, I, I i love how you've positioned the question tom because it was my marketing manager who brought this concept to me and i thought he was mad um, so I think marketing uh, individuals, marketing professionals probably have more sway than they give themselves credit for. And I, and I think that the creative element and that sort of almost mad scientist streak, which my guy certainly has, is actually a, a chip in your favour. And, and I think you should play it from time to time. If you're constantly... Um, uh, thinking about the marketing of a brand and the marketing of 
going ahead and um, um, you know working on the existing product range and how to resell it. Uh, I think you've probably not gone outside the square enough that your profession demands. And it's not innovation of the things that the guest thinks they want that's important. It's the innovation of the things that they don't yet know they need that's important. And as a general manager, I can read a P&L and I can allocate resources, but I, I don't have a marketing bone in my body. And this would never have happened without the commitment and the drive of the marketing manager and, and take that energy in your own roles and challenge your GM, challenge your CEO and challenge your board because you've got a lot more power than you're probably giving yourself credit for. Ben, let's leave it there. That's a, a very, very strong and encouraging place to leave it. Uh, and I'm sure that everyone who's listening to this podcast will be really inspired by that story. And that is really unusual. And thanks for going into so much detail about it and giving your advice um, on mentoring, uh, uh, marketing books and, and, and your journaling so that a short conversation but an incredibly inspiring one for me thank you so much if anyone wanted to get in touch with you to find out more about who you are and what you do how would you like them to do that I'd welcome it hit me up on LinkedIn uh, Ben Flintoff I'd, I'd love to have a chat and thank you for for inviting me Tom I thoroughly enjoyed being here oh and quick bonus question uh, if someone is going to write to you on LinkedIn, what makes a great LinkedIn reach out message to you? Hi, Ben. I heard you on Tom's podcast. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Let's leave it there. Ben, thank you so much. Good night. Bye-bye.